Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and this is Back to the Bible, Canada's Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. John, we have a great opportunity today to have a, a guest that we really enjoy, and his name is Jason Roberts, and he is the Executive Director of Wagner Hills, which is an addictions rehabilitation ministry, and who has great success in what they're doing. And, and this is such an incredible uh, topic to discuss because it's so relevant to all the things that are going on today and, and, and the, the number of addictive things that are going on and the loss of life and that kind of thing. So, so we, we look forward to doing that in the next uh, few minutes. But right now, uh, you're going to share with us from the Word. Yes, Ben, I am. I mean, obviously, there's not a lot in the Word about addiction per se, but I want to talk about the whole idea of addiction and what the Word actually says about the human condition and why we're all prone to this kind of stuff. Uh, in that way, I think we can make a greater impact in our culture. So let me talk about a concept in Scripture, which is very well known. It's the concept of the flesh. I want to talk about what the Bible says about the flesh. I'll start with Galatians chapter 3 and verse 20. Listen to what Paul says. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, he says, in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, Paul says, as a believer, I'm living in the flesh, and he simply means to say, I'm living as a human being. So sometimes when the Bible speaks about the flesh, that's all it's speaking about. It's speaking about our humanity, what it means to be authentically human. Jesus himself was come born in the flesh, so that word flesh is not necessarily negative. However, if we continue to look at the scripture, and I'm going to take you now to Romans chapter 13 and verse 14, and in that passage, listen carefully to what Paul says. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, and make no provision for the flesh, and then notice what he says, to gratify its desires. So in Pauline thinking, the flesh has desires of its own, and again, I want to say, that's not necessarily bad. Your flesh has a desire to be fed, and that's because in order to keep your flesh alive, you're going to have to do that. So some of the desires of the flesh are simply desires which are required for the flesh or for your body to function. But there's something about flesh and desire that always gets paired together in the Bible. Some of you might not know this, but in Luke chapter 22, verse 15, Jesus is about to celebrate the first Lord's Supper together with the disciples. They're in the upper room, and then he announces to them in that passage, he says, I have earnestly desired, he says, to eat this Passover with you. The Greek word is the word epithumia, and that word epithumia often gets translated as lust. I have earnestly lusted, he says. I have desired in a great degree. That is, his flesh has desired to eat this Passover. There was a passion that arose from his own bodily desires for this celebration of the kingdom of God in that place. So again, I'm saying flesh can have a very positive connotation. But most of the time, when we think about flesh in the Bible, we're not thinking about positive. And so I'm going to take you to a number of passages in Scripture, and the first one from Galatians chapter 5, and it's about the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the flesh. So listen carefully. Galatians 5, beginning at verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify, watch this, the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. Now, this is true of the believer. We know that's a battle that's happening in us. 
And then it says, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for those are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are, or the desires of the flesh are, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. In other words, that's just the beginning of the list. Uh, the flesh itself wants things that are opposed to God. So here's what's happened to our flesh. Ever since our first parents, Adam and Eve, fell into sin, something defective has happened in every single human being. It is that our flesh has wanted and desired things that are opposed to the purposes of God. In fact, so strong is that, that when Paul argues about this in Romans chapter seven, I mean, you just need to hear, you know, the pathos of what he's sharing. Romans seven verse 14 says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, he says, sold under sin, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. So in order to help us understand all of this, and I'm gonna relate this to addiction in just a moment, but I'm gonna give three illustrations about how the flesh actually functions in every single human being. The first example is the example of memory metal. Some of you may have heard of memory metal. It's the kind of metal that if you bend it in a different form and then put it under heat, it will return to its former form. That's how the flesh is. We might say we're going to make the flesh obey our will, but whenever pressure is applied, the flesh reasserts itself and it simply does the thing that it wanted to do in the first place. The second illustration is the illustration of terrorists in a city. Imagine, for instance, that a government force has wanted to extinguish terrorism and the terrorists therefore retreat deeply into a city. I mean, they live in underground settings, they don't communicate in a way that is open, and it seems for a while that you've eradicated the city of its terrorists until a bomb goes off and the trouble is back as always before. That's what the flesh is like. Just when we think it's under control, it reasserts itself and declares its dominion over us. And the third is like a mugging in a back alley. You know, the will might say, I'm not going to submit to the flesh, but the flesh pours out and mugs the will and gets the will to do what it does. So in the case of addiction, here's what often happens to people. They become under the influence of a chemical substance and as a result, they say to themselves, I'm never going to do that again. But the flesh has now established a new set of desires and the flesh says, you know, you can drive me into the heart of the city, but I'll be back. And so in due time, the flesh reasserts itself, overpowers the will, so that Paul will say in Romans 7, what a wretched man I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? See, here's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ has come and sent his spirit to all who would trust in him. And through the Holy Spirit, an ammunition has been given to everyone who trusts in Christ to overcome the works of the flesh and recover our essential humanity. When we talk to Jason Roberts, that's what we're going to be talking about. How does the Christian faith deal with this very issue, the issue of the flesh and the ruination that it brings? So thank you, Lord, for the teaching of your word to help to understand us. 
And through this, we should also remember, don't be condemning of those who struggle with addiction. You too have your own struggles with the flesh. Recognize the only victory comes through Christ. Hi, and welcome back to Truth and Life Today with uh, myself and Dr. John Newfell and our special guest, Jason Roberts, the executive director of Wagner Hills. Jason, it's so great to have you Thank here. Thank you. Surely and, is. Uh, and to be having this opportunity to talk about the ministry that you serve and, uh, and addictions in general and perhaps our response. But give us a little bit of background. Tell us about Wagner Hills. Okay. Uh, Wagner Hills has been around for almost 40 years. Wow. And uh, it was started by a wonderful guy, um, Helmut Bohm and uh, Wes Wagner. They got together 40 years ago and God had given uh, Helmut a vision for a place, a piece of property where people struggling with addictions uh, could come and meet Jesus. And it was that simple, you know, yeah. and yeah. so. And it was just one campus back then, right? One, yeah. one campus back then. And in the last 10 years, we've added another campus, a women's campus yeah. in South Langley. So both of our campuses are in Langley. And, um, you know, I, uh, I actually went through Wagner Hills Farm 20 years ago as a resident. Hmm. So uh, I, I love the place. It's easy for me to talk about it. It changed yeah. my life. Yeah. Um, but I mean, more importantly, it was it was Jesus who changed my life because he's he's working in all kinds of all kinds of places. But um, that was that was where I met him. So so tell me a little bit about how Wagner Hills functions. Yeah. So um, the farm, you know, it's a working farm. So guys and guys and girls who come to Wagner Hills, they are uh, working. Yeah, you've got two separate farms, right? Two separate campuses. Two separate campuses, yeah. yeah. So the the women's campus is in South Langley. The men's campus is just outside of Fort Langley. And uh, so it's a working farm. But at the same time, it is. there's also classes that, that the guys and girls need to be at in the, in the mornings and in the evenings. Um, and... Um, yeah, they're learning a, a wide range of a wide range of things there. So, so you would teach life skills and things of that nature life, as well. Life skills. Yeah. Um, also, many of the guys and girls are getting their high school at the okay. same time, yeah. um, and we see more and more uh, guys and girls staying on and finishing the year, but then also going on to university and, and taking higher education. So Now, there, there's a biblical or a Christian foundation to the organization Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, yeah. Tell us how that works. Yeah. So um, we have, uh, of course, we have, we have Bible study. Um, also, um, all of our, I mean, everything that's taught at the farm is is based in God's truth. Yeah. There's also the fact that it's a place where um, we have worship yeah. quite a okay. bit during the week, yeah. and and that's important for me to mention because that is foundational to Wagner Hills. Yeah. If, I, if I can jump in here, Jason, I remember I interviewed you some yeah. time ago, right? And you had talked about you know how an addict will suddenly for the first time encounter Christian worship, yeah, and the response that they feel because of that, yeah. Talk about that. Even going back to my own story, I, I can remember oh. walking into a room uh, in the first day that I was there, and, and there was worship happening, and I couldn't understand it. I, I still had drugs in my system, yeah. but I knew that something good was happening in that room. Like I knew there was something real and good, and. And you know what? I see it time and time again with guys, guys and girls. They're coming out of a out of a lifestyle full of 
full of crime, full of, like, it's just a very rebellious lifestyle. And uh, so they're not always open to hearing someone stand up and speak to them or someone teach, but, but to get in, in God's presence and worship and to let him start breaking stuff off of a person's heart, mm. that is an amazing thing. Um, and of course, you know, maybe, maybe it's two, two weeks, maybe it's two months, but I know it, it, prepares, it prepares our hearts to be able to hear, yeah. you know? Yeah. So we just see, we see dramatic change through that. And I mean, it's foundational for us, worship. How would you see Wagner Hills being unique from yeah. other types of treatment? I know one of the one of the unique things is is that we don't we don't have any um, we don't have any form of punishment. We don't like I've seen a, I've seen different places in, in how maybe they give chores or they we have chores, but that's that can be something that they give as a punishment. What we've what we've done is we've just said, hey, like these are these are the community standards. You need to be at class. You need to be at things on time. Um, if, if, you can't, if you can't do that, we can find another place for you, for you to go. And quite often we do that, and we find guys and girls um, fighting to get back in. Mm. Um, and a big part of that is, is like they're, they're so used to um, trying to control uh, and trying to um, manipulate, you know? So all of a sudden they find themselves in a place where really they, they can't do that. Mm. We're not, we're not allowing you to run any part of the program. It starts at this time, and, and you know what? It, it's amazing because so many, so many of them have grown up without any, any kind of structure like that, so they feel very safe in it, you know? They might kick against it at first, but then it becomes a very safe, safe environment. So, yeah, and, and, and even on top of that, um, the amount of... Um, freedom and trust that we put in the guys and girls, they're often quite confused by that because they've been treated often like kind of like bad kids that you're expecting them to, to go and do something wrong the moment you're not watching. Mm. And some of them fulfill that, mm. uh, but then they realize, you know what? They're, they're, really, they're really trusting us here. And we, we say, hey, this is your life, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so it sounds very oriented to so a grace type of ministry though. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm excited about that, John. As we as we think about um, addiction, as we think about uh, how we go about treating these things, is there is there a biblical response to this? Is there some 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 type of biblical guidance? Well, Ben, I think this guy's doing it. Yeah. I, you know, everything I've had uh, or learned from talking to you, you have created a profoundly Christian community, uh, which includes worship, the Word, work. Mm -hmm. accountability to each other. I mean, that's what Christianity is supposed to do. But on top of that, you've provided those kind of medical resources that are necessary in that unique environment. I mean, I, I don't know what I have to add because I think there's something yeah. deeply Christian about what's being done here. You know, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk some more to Jason. We're going to talk some more to Dr. John about, you know, what's going on in society today and this seeming epidemic in respect to addictions and overdose and those types of things. So, so come back in just a moment as we continue our conversation on Truth and Life Today.
Uh, thanks for joining us again on Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld and Jason Roberts from Wagner Hills. Uh, you know, a stimulating conversation. Uh, I'd like to just talk a little bit more about Wagner Hills mm -hmm. uh, because you are a unique thing. I would think you would consider yourself a Christian ministry oh, yeah. in that respect. And, uh, you know, it's really important for people to understand that, that it's results-based in some respect because you have had incredible results from the ministry that you've been offering people. Can you share a little bit about that? Our numbers, probably we've had about 6,000 men come through our men's campus, um, and that would be conservative. Uh, and and of, those, of those men that have come through, um, they're all exposed to the gospel, you know, and... Um, and well, I'll jump right in now, and yeah. I'm gonna say, how many of those guys come to Christ? I, that's the thing I can I can think of in my last five years of directing, yeah. um, and there's been so there's been hundreds of guys who have come through in these last number of years, and uh, I know that I know that all but two. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we need to hear. Yeah. First of all, the impact of individuals who come face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ and yeah. say yes. Yeah. yeah. Now then, let's also ask if I can. Yeah, ben, sure. Let's ask the other question: Is you know those guys that come through? Let's just talk about the guys now. I mean, how many of those afterwards, you know, just fall back into their drug habits? So those are the numbers you're saying. Yeah. They're hard to come by. Yeah. But you've had an extraordinary success rate. Will you yeah. talk about that? Yeah. Um, and we, we've seen that. We've seen that go up uh, in the last in the last couple of years. The amount of the amount of and I'll, I'll speak to the men's campus because yeah. I've been directing the men's campus for those five years and, and then and then and then helped with uh, women's campus in the last two years. But what we've seen is we've seen more and more guys, and now it's starting to happen in the women's campus, um, because you're not just dealing with, hey, this is, this is an addiction and, and it's just time to get clean. Yeah. We're, we're really working on what's, what's the vision for the person's life. Mm. Um, we're, we're actually working on a, on a theme right now for something we're doing called, it's get a life, you know? Mm. Because so many, so many of us who, who get caught in addiction, the, the future is gone, right? And then you, you meet Jesus and he, he does something, um, he brings you to life and, yeah. and you... In him was life and that life was the light of men. Yeah, so, 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 he, so he brings you to life. But then there's a very important piece, which is what, what are you, you going to do with your life now, right? So um, we've seen that, that that's a really important part of, the, part of the success. Yeah, instead of just talking about theoretically, I know you do that, yeah. but you send them to work, right? Yeah. I mean, that's why you've got a farm. So for the first time, people are actually doing something that brings tangible results. Yeah. I feel like I'm contributing and uh, my life starts to matter. Yeah, yeah. So all that gets added. Yeah, so, so the guys are working, the girls are working, they're working in the greenhouse, they're working with the animals. Yeah. Um, and then of course, it's, uh, it's a, we've got big properties. Also, we will go to wherever in the community where, where people need help. And, and so we're working, with, uh, we're working with local churches, we're working with um, food banks, we're working wherever we may be working. And then, uh, yeah, as, as the guys and girls make their way through the program, as they come to six months, you know, there's some things that are expected. You know, hopefully by then they found the chur their church, you know. We're, we're very clear that recovery is not your future. The local church is your future. Oh, yeah. And that's where yeah. we see people get, like, that's where they go forward from there. And, and that really leads me to my next question. Yeah. What, 
what can we be doing as the church, as individuals? How, how, do, we, how do we engage this issue? Um, I do know that for, for our guys and girls who get connected into a church and find a home church yeah. where, they're, where they're loved and they're accepted in, um, that's, that's often the key to success. Um, if you see them, if you see them go from uh, going to Sunday morning to getting involved in a life group, you know, uh, or a home group, whatever, whatever, whatever kind of community that that, that draws them in, that's huge. And um, and and it's very hard for those guys and girls quite often. I think of myself. I know that it was a huge step for me. I, I found it very challenging to uh, to take that step of, of being part of a home Bible study. Um, but I knew that God was pushing me to do it. And so I kind of overcame the fear to actually do that. I just had a talk with one of our uh, guys in my office this morning. I said, that's the next step for you. Yeah. That's what you need to do. And so he's, he's going to work on that. So, you know, Ben also asked, I mean, you asked the question, I mean, how does the church get involved? You know, and the easy answer is, if you go, know someone who's got an addiction, send them to Wagner Hills, and I'd like to say that. However, but there's that partnership, Ben, that you talk about yeah. so often. Uh, you know, every local church can't do everything, yeah. but we can begin to recognize that there are Christian resources all around who aren't operating independently of us, but actually want to partner with the local church. And if, you know, if you're partnering with a church and the church is partnering with you, mm -hmm. there is a ministry that's being done to people who are broken and hurting. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think this is such a significant... Yeah, yeah. and you know, you pointed out that uh, Wagner Hills has such a, a wonderful record of, of kingdom success, if I can use that term. And I know you're doing a significant expansion yeah. uh, of, of the ministry and of the program as well. And something we mentioned, uh, and, and I think this is important, we mentioned it uh, off, off, off uh, camera, is... Um, Often we empathize, we sympathize, we do all these things and say, aren't they doing a great work? Isn't it such an important thing? And we look at society today and we say, look at the devastation resulting from addictions and yeah. things of that in people's lives and yeah. the numbers of deaths and things of that. You know what? As the church, as individuals, we need to get involved. We need to get involved per perhaps personally. We have to get involved fiscally. We've got to come around and say, hey, if this is what the church wants, if we need to respond in a uniquely Christian way to this need, mm -hmm. uh, then we need to be become involved, involved, not just, not just hoping you do a good thing but actually get involved, and we, we'd really like to encourage that. We're so grateful that you're here and that you've been here and we've had this opportunity to have this conversation. We really do commend you, and uh, we would ask that our audience will be praying for you guys in the days to come. And I know that you can go to, what's, what's, what's your uh, website? Uh, Wagnerhills.com. Yeah. yeah. So go to yeah, wagnerhills.com. I'm sure you can find out all the information about the uh, the ministry there and yeah. even how you can support the ministry, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, so, absolutely. Thanks so much, Jason. Yeah, and, and thanks for joining us today. And in a few moments, uh, we'll be coming back with Dr. John, who has a few final thoughts. Well, welcome back to Truth and Life today. And uh, John, we, we just had a great guest, yeah, uh, Jason Roberts. You know, there's very few people that you'll meet that are as authentic as he is. And Absolutely. I think that's why it's so important to bring people like him in into this program and let them share the great ministry that he has. So as we were talking about it, uh, what were some of the things you go away with? 
Well, I'm just struck again with, uh, first of all, the success of the organization and how authentically Christian it is. But I'm struck again of how important it is to, for local churches to partner uh, with ministries that are God-honoring and uh, show the ability to minister effectively, uh, it will give a greater impact of the church when we know what our resources are and when we can demonstrate to the community that the life of Christ makes a positive impact in the community. And, and then I guess, Ben, I guess we should say, let's pray for Jason, let's pray for Wagner Hills, let's pray uh, for others that are doing this kind of work that God would give them great success and impact in the lives of men. Yeah. You know, I was impressed uh, when we were finally talking to him just before he left the studio. He mentioned to us how grateful he was that we would uh, ask people to consider participating with their expansion and things of that nature. But he said, really, the most critical thing you could ask people to do for us is to pray. Is to pray, and he and, meant and, that from us, because yeah, you're, you're right, he's authentic, yeah. and he means that. Yeah. And you know what, John? Maybe you could just pray us out today. Yeah, Father, pray for Jason. Pray for Wagner Hills. Pray for the many men and women whose lives are desperate for you. And I pray, Father in heaven, that you would uh, use uh, the ministry of these men and women uh, to minister to other men and women, that many would come to faith in Christ and that their lives would be transformed to be honoring in your sight. Oh, Heavenly Father, would you bless that ministry, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, John. And remember to join us again next week on Truth and Life Today.